welcome to the Battle Royale Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Edward Jones. I'm from the Depths DVD Hell and the Asian Cinema Film Club. And joining me, of course, is my co-host, the Professor Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello, everybody. Today's episode, The First Report. Probably one of our shortest episodes ever, possibly, because uh, this whole DVD chapter is a grand total of about two minutes long. Basically, this uh, chapter on the DVD uh, covers Takano reading off the list of the students we've seen fall in the opening hours of the game and that's basically about it we get to uh, see our two heroes react about the fact they're in a danger zone and we also get to see Mitsuko Suma do her eyelashes so all in all absolutely riveting stuff <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think there's a little bit more to it than that <laughs> no that's that's literally what happens but we can possibly talk around some of it. Um, first of all, I mean, obviously, with the announcements, each of the announcements is accompanied by a cla- piece, a popular piece of classical music. And I don't know about yourself, Steve, but I really like the way this film uses classical music. I think, yes, they're all sort of like very popular pieces of classical music, so that you all know what they uh, they all are upon hearing them. And I, I, there's something about just the use of classical music throughout this film, whether we're looking at the opening sort of title uh, for the film or we're just looking at the sort of piece of music they appear throughout the film. Um, it all seems to somehow work together and sort of perfectly matches up with uh, with the scenes that are sort of being played out here. I'm going to use some awfully British references yeah. now, hopefully. A lot of our audience are British. But, yeah, if you close your eyes and ignore the violence it is a bit like listening to radio 3 or classic <laughs> fm isn't it they are um <laughs> they, they are very popular classics but i, I kind of like that um i think there are elements especially in the next chapter there's some there's some sort of music that don't i don't think goes terribly well with the scene but the sort of that use of the popular classics they're very familiar i'm guessing they're the sort of music that might be played at Japanese schools anyway no we've seen the thing where they have those sort of um uh, PA yes. systems don't they where they often seem to play me I just got to, I wonder if some of it's coming from there but yeah it's all it's all incredibly familiar stuff and it just adds to that epic sense of what's going on I guess doesn't it I mean they're um they're all of a of, of a certain type i think um i can't remember what the piece is in this in this bit but yeah you you basically get a bit of classical music and some waves crashing on the rocks um and that that does mark the film up into time periods so basically it's morning it's the first morning people have been asleep they're woken up by a bit of classical music and uh katano announcing the deaths of people which in real time you'd have only just watched but of course for us it's um you know with our bi-weekly gap um it's, it's a nice little reminder of who we've lost in the in the previous section definitely so i mean while there's no real sort of standout names amongst the list of the dead here we do obviously know that at least a couple of them have had connections to others um in particular mitsuko has uh, been really, and she almost seems to like revel in hearing the names of her, her victims being reeled off because we see her going about her morning routine. I mean, she's one of the few students who actually bothers to have, continue her morning routine. We see her doing her makeup and uh, washing her hair and all things that you would think she probably wouldn't be doing if you're in a battle royale situation, but she seems to be. I actually found this kind of fascinating. 
because there's a couple of things you know we, we've talked about what's in their bags and why some of them are, are really going for it so this school trip i imagine that they thought they were going on possibly meant they were going to get changed at some point because she does she gets out of her school form as charlie and lola would say and she um she gets into some more casual 15-year-old wear, doesn't she? Pair of shorts, T-shirt, that kind of thing. She sits there, she curls her eyelashes, she, like you say, she washes her hair, puts her makeup on. She's got all her lotions and potions. She she was she was ready for a, to, for a change. And then what I was wondering, what, what we know about her from the books and things like that, where clearly she's involved in shall we say extracurricular sexual she's activities she's got her own she's um, certainly one of the the gang leaders that we have uh, uh, in this this class mm. i mean we obviously have seen with our exchange students obviously in the who's so, who were told playing the game for fun in obviously in the manga and the novel he's a established student of the class and he's one of the gang leaders but in those versions he's eliminated his gang whereas in the film we saw so in our last episode he basically seemed like he was just doing a mass elimination of random students who decided to pick on him thinking he was pretty helpless in as he was armed with a paper fan but obviously uh you know forgetting about his cat-like dexterity i but i just i just wondered if the stuff that she bought with her was intended stuff that she bought with her that was intended that she were going to use after school you know to go and i don't know shag some old <clears throat> salary man or something like that she just seems awfully prepared compared to everybody else who i think without exception oh there's one other character who doesn't seem to who seems to have bought other clothes yeah. with them who we haven't who we haven't well, it's interesting yet. you say that because when we look at mitsuku's activities as a, a gang leader i mean she's never really sort of engaging in a lot of these uh, activities, she's busy pimping her friends out and stealing other girls' boyfriends. Uh, but a lot of the time, she's sort of like they're playing the leader and using the other girls in her gang to sort of do her bidding. In particular, uh, Yoshimi, we note that she's uh, been been pimped out by her before, and you get—I mean, as I said, uh, you do get the sort of feeling that many of the other girls sort of fear her. She's like well, even before the game sort of started, that she's been sort of like this feared one. And when we get sort of further into the film, and we start seeing this sort of backstory of why she is the way that she is, I mean, in all the versions of the you know the book and the manga and the film, she starts off as just like this kind and happy child, and it's really another case of environment changing a person. In this case, it was her mother who basically pimped men out to rape her and in doing so um we sort of get that first sort of response of her sort of knowing that she has the ability to take life when she is comes home to find her her mother drunk a strange man waiting for her and basically gets her into this very uncomfortable situation to say the least and she ends up kicking him down the stairs and breaking his neck and this is sort of like what we can see as being seen as her first sort of kill when it's really from there that she realizes in her own head that she's able to sort of stand up for herself that she doesn't have to constantly be you know used by her mother just to basically for sort of financial gain so i think in the the in when we look at the film version in particular i mean she obviously has this deep downside just to sort of fit in but 
the fact that she, because of her activities and because of her this this shell she's built around herself, um, she's never really she's always been seen as sort of this outsider and it's built up this sort of resentment that she sort of like funnels into her sort of more criminal activities, as you said already. So, yes, it's just interesting that, that you know, literally she, she does have this, you know, everyone else has either mm. killed themselves, been awake. Um, we're not really sure where our main two have been for, I don't know how, I don't know what, what do we know what time the pregame finished? I mean, is it assumed to be, this is assumed to be like six hours on or something like that. Everything else seems to be in six hours. I would assume this bit would be about that because a lot of the those early kills come pretty soon after the game starts. Um, obviously, we've got the we got our, our first couple of deaths as they leave, and then when we get, we've obviously got uh, the the deaths that we contribute to Mitsuko, who's. I think she's one of the, you know, she's one of the first ones to really sort of leap in into the fray and sort of start killing students, even though she's a lot more, she's a lot more reserved than um, Kazuyum, who, as I said, is just very mm. sort of, very sort of driven and sort of very open in his intentions of, you know, while he's playing the game for fun, he certainly seems to have no problems of just sort of... Right leaping straight into the fray and he's very yeah. brash isn't he he's very open he's very brash there's no subtlety about him whereas Mitsuko seems to be much more you know while she's as feral as him in, in terms of doesn't care about killing people she she does it much more slyly and and, and less obviously at least up until the end whereas yeah whereas um your other fellow, he just turns up with his 80s haircut hmm. from nowhere <laughs> very loudly and, and shoots and kills people. Um, whereas, yeah, there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a subtlety. It's a different, she's playing the game somewhat differently, but totally invested in the game. And girl's got to look good, right? Definitely so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. she has this sort of real sort of shark-like persona to her. So she's got this beauty, but this real sort of deadliness to herself at the same time. And I think it's great the fact that they don't just have her being sort of like the female equivalent of um, a, kazoo, a kazoo and just having these two absolute straight-out psychopaths, but having two people who have no qualms about killing but go about it in very different ways I think it's I think it feels like a film very sort of while you've got all these sort of fantastical elements in the film this is like a very sort of grounded element that yes you can have two psychopaths in this game but not everyone's going to have the same sort of sort of way they go about carrying out their uh, their business so to speak uh, so it was kind of interesting to obviously have the, the two play in sort of parallel to each of us, or how they uh, sort of play the game. Mm, definitely. Something we've obviously talked about numerous times before is that the fact that the manga is a lot more heavy in its sort of, you know, sexual content and its violence is a lot more. And I think in terms of the the manga, it certainly pulls in a lot more sort of the backstory of her of her life. I mean, obviously the fact that we've got um, her father who divorces uh, Mitsuko's mother. It's implied that the government chased her father, thus he divorced his wife to protect Mitsuko. So again, we've got the 
anti-government sort of line that runs through the book and the and the manga, which we don't really get in the film. It's sort of very much phased out. And in instead of getting the scene where we get the creepy guy that she comes home to, um, instead that's replaced with her stepfather character, who pretty much does the same horrible acts to her. So he's both abusive to both her mother and he's a brutal to he sort of like brutalizes her and he's like you know he sexually abuses her um and it's really through by the time she becomes a teenager that this all sort of like comes to her head within her within her and she like turns into this real sort of sociopathic young woman who organizes for her stepfather to be murdered so we the idea of her being like this sort of sort of gang boss is sort of established a lot more sooner. It's and it's a lot more implied of what her sort of actions were. So, I um also love this uh, one particular scene where she seduces a a rich famous boxer, and she basically slips from Lucigen and has sex with him, robs him, and then flees. And then the next day, he's like phones up like threatening to beat her face in and reclaim what uh, is his. And, uh, well, of course, he's doing this all while driving, and Mitsuko just merely mocks him, saying, how much you got to lose before I decide to let the cops know I'm only 15? And this basically then triggers further hallucinations in him, because he's still hung up on his drugs, and he ends up driving off a cliff to his death in one of the more amusing scenes of the the manga, so... It sounds sounds like in the manga, Battle Royale says to walk in the park. (laughs) From <laughs> kills more people before the show, before um, before battle royale starts. Um, she also has the uh, nickname of Hardcore uh, because of obviously her the fact that she's used sexuality to to get what she wants in a lot of her life, and there's no sort of redeeming angle for her. She's just basically just seen as this you know sociopath who just does what what she wants, and it just happens mm. the fact that. Uh, in the game, it's allowing her basically a chance to sort of excel with her, with her um, sort of unique skill set. Yeah, she's much more, much more subtle and at times empathetic, almost. But in this the film. is, it yeah. Like I mean, I just sort of have to sort of like question with her. I mean, when it does come to the end, and she sort of has that sort of final thought of you know i just wanted to fit in the film did you feel at all sorry for her i mean we see her do some truly horrible acts i mean obviously it's not on the same level of uh some of these characters i mean we've obviously got like a poisoning to come up still and we've obviously got um kazoo's very unique uh approach to playing the game so i did i did i, mean, I remember we talked about this before not not on not on this show but on on, on asia cinema film club when we talked about it as an unborn film that moment where you see her later on, sort of a flashback mm. to the past, and you see her not being part of the gang or not being part of the class, and just sort of, and, and there's a, it's a real moment of, oh, I don't know what the word is, is it pathos? I don't know. There's, there's something about her that, that if someone had reached out to her, she may have been a completely different person. Um, and it just adds a layer to her character that not many people in in the film get. Uh, some people are heroes, some people are villains, some people are stereotypes. Boy, are we going to meet a stereotype next <laughs> episode. Um, um, and, and some people are faceless. Um, 
some and a couple I don't understand. Period. Again, we'll we'll meet her soon. Um, but Mitsuko, I just feel there's you know she's obviously a hideous person. <laughs> she seems even in the film without without all this other stuff going on. But there is a moment of she could have been someone different. Sort of a, a sliding doors moment, isn't there? That that. Which which then gives you or gave me an element of sympathy for her, but it's hard to justify when you think she's the second or third biggest murderer. On I know the it's and it's kind of interesting the fact the fact the film obviously chose to give her this sort of redemption at the end, um, just end with I just didn't want to be a loser anymore, and it's all sort of like oh, I don't know really. It's sort of like you know that if she was alive, she just would have killed everyone else. So. Mm. It's it's just it's 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 I I like her character because she has that redemptive moment in both the normal cut and it's further expanded upon in the director's cut. But it's strange that I can't think of any other character that is given those layers. Yes, you know some people. You know, like I say, you know some people become heroes. Some people. Uh, I guess. Um. Actually, no. I guess Shogo. There's more going on with him, isn't there? He's he's the other one that gets more of a story around him, more of a reason yeah. for being there, and uh, and 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 he's he's got an interesting backstory. But those two out of the fifty odd kids that are going to die, they're, they're the only two I can really think of that have got that that exist for more than a scene or two, um, that really have anything going for them as as characters you might. Former relationship with. Well, we've obviously got the third man, the uh, the hacker and his two uh, comrades. I mean, they're yeah, but they're but they're kind of plot driven, aren't they? They they they, they are what they are, and they're interesting because you know they they do try and fight back and they act together as mm. friends and they've got the, the the hacking skills and things like that. But I don't think I don't think other than. They're yeah. there to drive the plot along. I think they have have. I think it's also interesting the fact that all the other sort of anti-government plotting is cut out of the film, and he obviously talks about his uncle and that what sort of inspires his own mm. revolutionary activities. It's sort of like it seems so out of place when you look in the film, but when you compare it to like the novel and the manga, which have the anti-government theme sort of running throughout, and how government activities affect so many of these characters, um, it kind of makes a bit more sense. So. Yeah, the, I mean, I haven't really no. read the manga. I have read the novel a long time ago, and and all the characters, or, or more characters, are, are seriously fleshed out. And that whole sort of authoritarian government um, line is is much more of a theme, and connects the characters to the story much more, and sometimes to each other, if I remember rightly. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, as I said, this is a short one today. Um, well, there is there was one, there was one other thing okay. that I wanted to bring up. I, I'm hoping this is in the chapter. So again, spoilers for everybody. I'm watching it on a Blu-ray, which doesn't have the same chapter things. Um, ch- chapter changes. So we do see um, Shuya and Noriko sort of exit the cave where they've been hiding all night and go across a vast plain. When uh, when um, Katano tells us all which 
which areas of the island are um, going to be red zones. Um, and they've just walked out into the middle of an open field. These two, and it's going to get even worse in the next chapter, are the worst. They've got, they just haven't got any survival instinct at all. <laughs> they've just, oh, this is walking to an open field. Um, with their, their little maps around their necks on their lanyards that they come out and fill it. No one else seems to go through any of this stuff. Um, it's interesting though that, you know, that, that, you know, they, they've basically looked in their bags and said, oh, we'll get the lanyards out and we'll put them on. Just, I don't know. I just, I have no love for these two at all. <laughs> and um, also the weird geography of the island where they've managed to walk from a cliff facing out into the sea, into vast fields, and then at the beginning of the next chapter, they will be in jungle again. If they're, um, yeah, they're what they're, they're wandering people. <laughs> they, they get around, but I, I have a hard time working out the geography of the island. I assume that they have coming from where the, the school is located, it's on the coast, and they basically wandered around the coast because we mm. see them running along the beach, and we see other students around who are also on the beach as well. And I can also assume, seeing as that they're in the south, that uh, the school is located in sort of like the southernmost sort of tip, uh, with the actual sort of headquarters more towards the the centre. Because it seems to, I couldn't tell if the school's actually in the centre or not. But that's basically why I assume that they've gone, they've run to the everyone sort of headed to the coast rather than running straight into the jungle. Mm. And with these danger zones, it's sort of pushing them more into these jungle areas. And I also think at this point the the game hasn't really sort of struck them the fact that there are people out there going to obviously be playing it. I mean, there's so far they've encountered what one panicky student who uh, was generally disliked and thought all his bullies were going to come looking for him. And I think at the same time they haven't it hasn't become quite apparent that there's people who are actively playing the game, uh, which we obviously see in in the sort of next chapter. Uh, when we see people really sort of showcasing their true intentions for for the game, so hmm. I have just I've just been on on the internet just looking up the um, that the, the people have mapped it. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. Someone just mapped the uh, CCM plan for Conair this week. So, <laughs> although what I will say is, unfortunately the map well for next episode okay. i'll get a better one but unfortunately everything's in japanese but um so i can't quite work out where it is they're talking about but yes you're probably right and um i'm probably gonna uh, yeah now i'm now what i'm thinking is i'm going to go back and i'm going to plot the dead zone map. <laughs> uh um yeah, I I love the fact that Nanahara's uh, or Shia um, is uh, basically being used as a pack horse, though, because he's the. Oh, yeah, he's got her bags got, as like, well, two, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got two sat <laughs> two um, duffel bags. He's got um, a satchel as well, and then she's just got like this one bag and a and a map in his But hasn't she? She's hurt her arm, arm but still, he's sort of like. And he's a gentleman. Apparently so. No, he's the, the pair of them are wet drips, and my love for them is is about to decrease even more. <laughs> That'll be next episode. 
but it does change. But yes, to think, to think, um, yeah, we won't do spoilers yet, but <coughs> these are our main two characters, and that normally means something, doesn't it? Normally means that you uh, have got something to root for with them. Mm, I just don't feel, I just don't give a shit about these <laughs> two. <laughs> I want Mitsuko to win. <laughs> oh dear, obviously I'm going to be out of luck, aren't I? So, but um, yeah, anything else you want, or are you are you happy now? I don't think so. Like you say, this this is this is barely a chapter skip, isn't it? It's um, I was quite shocked when you said what the chapter involved. Um, but but. You know there is there is some character work here. Mitsuko putting getting changed, putting on a makeup that that is that's character work. Um, uh, but apart from that, really, I assume somewhere along the line there's going to be like a twenty minute long chapter where we're going to struggle to talk about it all. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, that was chapter eight, a first report. Join us next time for chapter nine, a cry for help. As the game intensifies, as certain players become very sort of clear in their actions for this game. Well, that's all coming up on our next episode. Uh, thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. And also check out our main show, the Asian Cinema Film Club, where each every uh, episode, both myself and Stephen pick a film to review. And... Um, yeah, you can uh, obviously uh, check out our full archive of episodes at asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com and on there as well we've also got other fun pieces to write as well we've got the movie vault, we've got the mixtape we've got the dark sides of Asian cinema lots of great stuff on there as well uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram and uh, our Facebook group in particular is a really great hangout as well we, got, we post a lot of fun stuff on there not just about Japanese films but also about Japanese pop culture as well recently uh, posting a really fun video of, uh, of uh, Korean baseball mascots uh, that's a whole other thing altogether that one is I, I did see that that was funny. Um but until next time thank you as always for listening and uh, we'll be back with next episode Cry for Help good night good night